Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Do I got to lie? We're on a mission from God. Yes, we can. I got nowhere else to go. All my life I had to fight. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. by the Soul of America Radio and brought to you by Blog Talk Radio. The views expressed on Let's Talk About It are not necessarily the views of Blog Talk Radio or the host. Real talk, real radio. And now, let's welcome your host, Tony Stallings, and co-host, Cam I Am. Yeah, my daughter left me for the first time today. She's gone to 
the International Full Gospel Conference. So, you know, it's one of those things that you have to learn in life to let go and grow. So I'm learning. Well, I'm sure she'll enjoy herself. That is a concert in Atlanta, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a conference in Atlanta. And um, she oh, left today and she'll be back on Saturday. So, But I'm okay. I'm excited about the show tonight, so let's get the ball rolling, cuz. Yeah, keep it down to a door roll over there. All uh, that celebrating, not having, not having to uh, to keep intense watch out like I do over here. So, because <laughs> mine ain't going nowhere. <laughs> they sit right up in your head. Yes, ma'am. We got a good one tonight. We got a long, uh, a, a lot of stuff to cover. I'm going to hop right into it, and I'm going to get right into the subject. We got a tonight is another segment called On the Grill. And am I breaking up at all in the, in the camp? Am I okay with, with my boys? Oh, you're okay tonight. Your tech support okay. is on it tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a segment tonight called On the Grill. And On the Grill features guest panelists Levi and Tamika, who are with us present. And uh, what we're discussing tonight is a documentary. Some of you may or may not have seen the preview. Uh, it's called Dark Girls, which is an upcoming documentary that's uh, scheduled to come out later this fall. And uh, toward the uh, end of the show, I'm going to give you the uh, web address where you can go watch the complete documentary. It's not that long. It's a, not not the complete documentary. It's a complete preview of the documentary. And uh, it's like a trailer. It's not that long, maybe about 10 minutes a day. And uh, I'll give you uh, the website where you can go watch the complete thing. I'm still a little perturbed because I played the wrong intro, and I was just so wanting to hear that song. But life goes on. And tonight, what I want to do is we're going to hold, we normally hold a, a little open-air discussion uh, on this thing. But tonight, we're going to get a little different. I'm, I'm going to try to, we're going to be a little more uh, a little more fixed on this subject. This is a heck of a subject. Cam and I know last night uh, I posted a topic on Facebook about it and asked a question. How many of the responses did they end up being, Cam? About Almost 60 70? or 70? Yes. Yeah, a little over 70. And these people were all responding with deep issues that resulted from this thing we have against light-skinned and dark-skinned, or as they, as they say, light-skinned it and dark-skinned it. And this has, been a, this has been a cancer issue that has affected our community uh, ever since slavery. And before we get started, I pulled up some stuff on the Internet, and I apologize uh, for the source. All I had was read, but I believe you will believe me when I read this. Uh, I wanted to jump right into this, okay? I'm, we're not going to waste around because I got a feeling we're going to have a long discussion. Um, also, Tony, this, please explain this guy, to them. The documentary, if you haven't seen the preview. Hello? Go ahead. No, I was saying explain to them, uh, you know, that um, what we talked about earlier, where you were going to say, um, you know, there may be some. Um, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to get to that. Yeah, I got it really. I just hadn't gotten to okay. that far as yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, racism, it's the difference between racism and prejudice, prejudicism, prejudice, being prejudiced. Racism always involves power. So we're not going into racism tonight. We're not talking about racism. Racism involves a power, a group that has power over another group and influences that power to enforce laws that are presidential, pres that, that are prejudice in nature. 
And so tonight we're going to be talking about the prejudices of light and dark. And uh, we're gonna tonight you are going to hear some things as Cam was trying to get me to to remember to say. Uh, you, you, we apologize in advance. You are bound to hear some things that may offend you, like the word nigger. You might hear that, and you might hear a couple of other terms as we are giving descriptions of what we are trying to convey to you. And when we use that term, it's not derogatory in nature, although it, it was made to be derogatory. We're using it tonight as sort of like a tool to get information to you. So if that word offends you, we apologize in advance, and it's not meant in any derogatory shape, form, or fashion. And uh, we might use a few other words that aren't pleasant, but it's not because we don't love you. It's because we do love you, and we want to convey the information properly. With that being said, uh, I, I grew up, and I'm going to give Cam the, the mic in just a minute, and then we're going to get to the panelists in about 10 minutes or maybe a little less. I want to give a brief overview of what I gathered about this. <clears throat> and I'm going to start with the lighter complexion female, and I'm going to give you my opinion first. Uh, I grew up in a, uh, in a in a in a situation where uh, I was a little bit lighter uh, complexion, and uh, as a result of that, I quickly, quickly learned that as a light-skinned male or a male perceived to be light-skinned, you were considered weak from the jump. You were just considered weak, and you were you were considered a punk. You had to prove yourself uh, pretty much in sports, in wrestling, in fights, anything you did. We perceived the light-skinned female as stuck up. And I can remember growing up, Cam, some of the words we used to describe some of the light, lighter complexion females, and I wrote them down, was light, bright, damn near white. You remember that one? You've heard that one yes. before, right? Yes, yes. Red, red, red bone, high yellow, uh, red, Tweety Bird, lemon head. And, and some of these are coming from my producer who, who wrote some of the stuff out on Facebook. I, I'm plagiarizing. They were considered white girl, half breed, house Negro, stuck up, and fair complexion. And a lot of that, you know, I was listening to uh, Malcolm X uh, talk about the house Negro or the house nigger and the field nigger. And what he would portray was the fact that the house nigger was in the house and the field nigger was in the field. That was an early cause of some of the separation as well, and I'm going to get to that. Now, the darker complected people, uh, we talked about this earlier, Cam. We got some, <laughs> and it's amazing how the descriptions get a little more graphic with the with the darker people. Now, some of the things that you heard me say that that's not an inclusive list. There's other things, but some of the black people were called jet black, blue black, ace of spades, minute past midnight, black ass nigga with his black ass, black sambo, smut baby, mud pie, charcoal. Some of these things I got off Facebook yesterday from some of the people that have been hurt by these terms that people use to describe them. So tonight we're going to dive into how this how uh, we're going to dive into the subject and we're going to have some questions for our panelists about how this got started. That was my take on it. I was I asked Cam to give her overview on it as well. So Cam, what was your dealing with it uh, before we get to the panelists? What was your version of it? What do you think about the topic that we're getting into tonight? Well, to be honest with you, um, I, I really, personally, I wasn't affected by it, but I do I did have a friend that I was very close with in elementary school, as I shared with you on Facebook on last evening, that I actually had to help fight. She was very dark-skinned. Beautiful, though, but she was dark-skinned. And I can remember 
at Edgewood Elementary School, the children are calling her names, some of the names that you already spoken of. They used to call her Midnight Black, Charcoal Black, and uh, I actually helped her fight because of the names that they called her. And I can also remember that if you were not fair-skinned, as so many people would say, or if you were not light-skinned, that you were not uh, good enough or you were not in the um, – you were not found to be in the right crowd. It was just something when I was growing up about being fair-skinned. Also, I can remember, and I shared this with you um, when I was growing up, you know, my grandfather, my mother's father, he always drank coffee in the morning, and I can remember sitting at the table with him wanting to drink coffee, and he said to me, coffee make you black, coffee make you black. And he wouldn't give me coffee because he would say coffee would make you black. And I always remember what is wrong with being black. So, you know, that always stuck out in my mind. You know, is there something wrong with being black? So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right there and 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 and, and let you you know have you know Wait. maybe I'm sorry. Well, you know, Cam, that that was installed in our brains a long time ago. You know, Angel Fruit Cake is black. I mean, Angel Fruit Cake is white. Devil Suit is black. Weddings you wear white. Uh, funerals you wear black. Um, it's just it's just so many different ways it's installed into our brains. But I guess what is is is, is apparent to me is that within our own community, that this is prevalent. It's just within our own community that's uh that that sort of sort of I guess that it's sort of the the thing that you didn't you don't expect. You know they got laws to protect people in the '60s from civil rights, uh, from 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 being mistreated because of color, but. Nowadays, people don't have laws, and we're going to get into some stuff later, some clips and whatever, that you're going to see that people are actually hurt. There are people that cried, uh, that that actually uh, 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 shed tears just last night on Facebook with us, sharing some of the things that they went through, the names that they were called. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to go into a brief little uh, couple of minutes of uh, break and when we come back, we're going to bring our panelists on, and I'm going to go into a little bit of the Willie Lynch letter, which was a letter that that basically told how to control the nigger slave. And when we get into that, uh, we're going to start kicking around some stuff, and I tell you, it's going to be awesome. So if you wouldn't mind hanging on, we're going to be back shortly. segment of Let's Talk About It called On the Grill. On the Grill features guest panelists Levi and Tomika, along with host and co-host Tony and Cam I Am. If you want to call in and listen, you can call in at 323-784-9638. If you want to call in and speak to the host, you can dial that same number, 323 784 
888-985-9638 and press 1 to speak with the host. Otherwise, you can hold and listen to the entire broadcast. Also, if you'd like to know more about the host or Let's Talk About It, you can go to www.soulofamericaradio.com. That's www.soulofamericaradio.com. Also, keep up with our website so you can find out about special guests appearing on Let's Talk About It. question for tonight is, welcome back. How did this get started? Let's welcome to our show, our guest panelists, uh, Levi and Tamika. Levi, we're going to start with you. How you doing tonight, my brother? I'm doing well, Mr. T, Miss Cam. How y'all doing today? Oh, I'm sorry. I got Cam muted. <laughs> Go ahead, Cam. Okay. That, that was not funny. How you doing, Levi? I'm doing well. <laughs> Tamika, help save me, girl. Save me. How are you doing tonight? Welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing tonight? <laughs> We're doing good, Tamika. <laughs> don't you don't you don't you even play like it was muted. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna try to play like I did try, muted. I did try. <laughs> Thanks, Tamika. Good looking out. Good looking out. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys could make it. As you know, we got a business schedule in front of us, and I want to start off by just sharing something with you that I'm going to pose a question to you that I think we can uh, get started with. Um, you know, I looked up on the Internet, and I, I came across a paper by a gentleman named Reed. You know, the Whitley Lynch letter talked about dividing slaves, and one of the aspects they talked about was dividing the light pitting the light-skinned slave against the dark-skinned slave and pitting the uh, uh, dark-skinned slave against the light-skinned slave. And part of that was the light-skinned workers, as I mentioned earlier, Levi and Tamika, worked inside the house. You know, they were the ones that had been had by uh, the, the, the master and had an affair with the mistress and had a child, so they felt comfortable with that child working in the house. And they... Uh, cooked inside for the master, you know, and they they uh, 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 clean the clothes and care for the kids. But the darker skin uh, uh, person, or as the as Malcolm X put it, the field Negroes uh, were in the field. They worked outside. Uh, they picked cotton. Uh, they hung clothes. They grew crops. They were in the sun. They were in the heat. They didn't have the elements that the lighter skin slaves. Over a period of years, they developed a little little friction because of that, and and that's part of that pitting the light against the dark. Well, we became free in 1865, and older people apparently passed this hate on to their families. And initially, um, uh, uh, I imagine that uh, it, it was normal 
for them to feel that way. But as time went on, uh, uh, it, it began to be etched into our families. It began to be something that we uh, seemed to carry uh, within our families. So after we were free in 1865, and I'm going to pose this first to 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 uh, to uh, Tamika, uh, after we were free in 1865, uh, and that division of light and dark was passed on, uh, you know, to our families, uh, I mean, deeply ingrained, why do you suppose uh, that they allowed that to go through? Because it looks like to me, Tamika, that uh, when we were free, we could all come together and dance and have a big party, but apparently they passed that racism on. And I know you can't speak for them, but in your mind, what do you think? Was it that it was so ingrained into our our being that we just naturally passed it on? Because this lasted for hundreds of generations. Is that is that what you think may have contributed to it lasting as long as it has? Wow, it is. You know, um, I will have to give that a lot more. Hello. Okay, I think she's out. Her phone might be out. So what I do is I'll put Mr. Levi on the spot. <laughs> Mr. Levi, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, as I was sharing with Tamika, she's having a little problems apparently with her with her mic. I just kind of wanted to get a feel because I'm starting way up here and we're going to work our way to the present. How do you think that came about? Do you think it was just so ingrained into us that we just carried it over? Because apparently... Don't you think that it had to be passed down from those first freedom generation slaves down through the history? Because we had to pass it down, don't you think? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the first thing that happened, obviously, that you went over is, you know, the slave masters, in order to control any people or in order to control their slaves, you naturally, the best way to do that is to keep them divided. So they were divided based on, you know, this issue we're talking about tonight, uh, skin color. And that's going to just naturally build up a resentment where you're going to have the darker-skinned blacks resenting the lighter-skinned black because they were in more with the master. And then you have the lighter-skinned blacks, as Malcolm said, they get a little food off the master's table. They sleep in the basement or in the attic. So they got things a little bit better than the dark-skinned slaves, and they wanted to hold on to that. And so those things created resentment that leads into the issue that we're here, um, you know, talking about today. You know, Levi, it tripped me out, man. Last night I was in uh, Facebook uh, going through some of the the responses, and (laughs) one of the people said, and I know you hear this a lot, if it had been me, Talking about being a slave, they'd have had to kill me. You've heard somebody say that, right? Right. right. If I, if it had been, they said that about the, the civil rights. You know, you hear some young kid where they'd have had to kill me. Well, it's it's strange that that I, I hear people say, well, they'd have had to kill me because I wouldn't have been a house negro. And in, in fact, if you listen to some of Malcolm X's speeches, he sort of tends to make the house negro seem like a traitor. It's like, like. I'm a field Negro. I remember him saying, "I'm a field Negro." He said that rather proudly. It's mm-hmm. as if being a as if being a house Negro was some kind of sellout. And last night, somebody in the group said, 
well, I would have been a fear Negro because they would have had to kill me. Do you think that I, I personally felt like that was something that they? It, I don't think they looked at that as a as as a as a sellout. I think that they thought that was normal. Wouldn't you think that that was something that they just felt was normal, or do you as well feel like they were sellouts? Well, no. I mean, they realized in their heart of hearts. I, I think most of them would have to have realized that they really didn't have any power. They might have had things from, I guess, an economic standpoint, a little bit better than the folks out in the field, but they still recognized that master was master, and they were a slave. They didn't have any rights. They didn't have any legal standing in the society, and they were still the master's property. And so they were just adapting to their conditions. You know, human beings, the human mind, in order to survive, can adapt to a variety of circumstances and many of them was just adapting to their conditions. And, you know, we have all kinds of, uh, in, in looking at it in our, with our modern brain and with our modern experiences, we have a tendency to look back and say, oh, if I was a slave, I would have done this, or if I was alive in the 40s and 50s, I would have done that. But in reality, you are going to adapt to the conditions of your society and you're not going to be looking at things from a 2011 uh, mind frame if you're living in 1830 or 1910. So whether it was the field Negroes or slaves or the house Negroes or slaves, they were just adapting to the conditions they were in, and ultimately both groups recognized that they were property. Okay, and and let's bring it closer to home a little bit. We've been way in the back. Tamika, you back with us yet? Okay, apparently she's having some problems with her audio. I'm going to get JR to try to get her on the phone and see if we can work it out. If you can hear me, JR, let me see how JR can hear me. Okay, um, here's what I was looking at. We had a, um, a a thing where they were calling each other names, uh, and it's been mentioned some of the name calls. You heard me say Tar Baby and uh, West Cam. Let me unmute Cam. You heard me say Tar Baby, Redbone, and, and so forth. What I... What I'm, I guess, looking back at it from a, uh, I, let, let me do this first because I kind of want to give a proper perspective of what's going on. I have a clip. Somebody, a, a lighter skinned girl, heard that same dark girl's review that we've been talking about, and she had a slightly different perspective of it. And I wanted to just bring that out there. So here's a young lady. She appeared to be in her twenties. Uh, She's a light complexion, and she was just on YouTube giving a response. To the Dark Girls Review. I just watched a video, and it's called Dark Girls. I actually cried maybe 10, 20 minutes. Almost everything that was said in that video, I went through. I still go through. It's like when I wake up in the morning. I wish so badly that I was life. Okay, now this is the Dark Girl. I apologize. I Not the white girl. This is the Dark Girl. a video. And it's called Dark Girl. I actually cried maybe 10, 20 minutes. Almost everything that was said in that video, I went through. I still go through. It's like when I wake up in the morning, I wish so badly that I was light-skinned because that is put on the pedestal. Because like I said, I've, I've hated being dark-skinned basically since like the fourth grade because that's when my own people started teasing me about it. 
Now, what touched me was she said her own people started teasing about it. She desperately wants to be liked. Now, when you listen to that, I'm going to go to Cam, uh, since we can't get to Mika back home right now. Cam, does that, um, I know you're a little, you're not dark, but you're sort of in between. Can you relate to that at all, or do you have any, have you had any kind of information that could relate that to you, or do you understand anything about what she's saying? I do. I can I can relate to that. You know, um, you know. of course, you, you, your, your family members, you know, you have family members that are dark complexion, and you hear them saying things to other family members like, oh, you're so black, and why are you so black, and, you know, you need to stay out of the sun, and, you know, you hear them say things like that, and, you you know, it makes you wonder, especially when you have, you know, uh, quote, fair-skinned family members, and it makes you wonder as children, you know, you know, uh, you know, what's wrong with me? And you're right, you know, I'm not dark-skinned, I'm not fair-skinned, I'm, as your mother called you, I'm, in, I'm caramel. You know, um, so it makes you wonder as a child, you know, well, what's wrong with being dark-skinned or what's wrong with being fair-skinned, you know, you know what what's really going on and when you when you especially like she said the family member is going back tony and the reason i'm so quiet is because it does hurt when it comes from family members when you hear family members call other family members you're so black and 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 you you know you must not be a part it's not so much to me uh i don't hear the family members saying a lot about the fair skin or the light skin or the red bone, but when you're dark skin, that's when you're really called the name on my side of the family. Hmm. And, well, and you I don't know, understand I think, that. Yeah, and, but, you know, that's, that has, uh, I don't know if well, JR is having some problems with her, her uh, mic as well. Uh, I, I was going to ask her to comment on that. But you know, it is true. I was looking at some of the names and it seems like the the darker names to me, uh the the, the names for the darker people are a lot harsher. You know, and is it I, I to me it looks like that it's it's focused toward that, it's geared toward that. The lighter complexion seems to seems to have some kind of uh, uh advantage if you really look at it. I'm gonna check out this um this audio problem we're having and I'm going to ask everybody to be patient. We'll be right back after this message. crime in black neighborhoods. I would love to see Batman in a black neighborhood. I can see him now. He just... Robin. Just Batman. Didn't we park the car right here, man? like to call in and let your voice be heard on Let's Talk About It, 
call 323-784-9638. That number is 323-784-9638. The racism that we have as a people amongst ourselves is a direct backlash of slavery. The house niggas versus the field niggas. The the paper bag rule. If you're darker than a paper bag, you know, and the whole thing. It's like we as a people were so... uh, disenfranchised that we adopted some of that, a lot of that. My sentiments exactly my sentiments exactly uh as far as that is concerned, we have adopted a lot of that. Look like it's just me and you right now, Levi. Uh, okay. I can't expect on something else. We've got some audio problems, everybody. I apologize, but it's nothing that can't stop us from rolling on. I'm going to jump ahead, Levi, and just tell you my deep, my, my true feelings. I look at Obama. Everybody said, we got a black president, and we do. But think about this. Think about it. Really think about it. Do you think this country is ready for a dark-skinned president? Because I looked at Obama when he won, and I thought about it. You know, I guess everybody in the back of their mind thought, yeah, he won because he, he got a little complexion, a little light complexion. Do you think this country is ready for a darker president? Well, everything uh, everything has to take uh, one step at a time, and every generation and every person of accomplishment is standing on somebody else's shoulders. I do think the fact that Obama is a light-skinned African-American, the fact that his mother was a Caucasian woman made it a whole lot easier for a lot of white Americans to walk into that voting booth and pull the lever uh, next to his name. Uh, I think his, the, the, the situation would have been much more difficult had he been a dark-skinned African-American. The only thing that we can hope is uh, as a result of Obama's election that at some time in the future, the country's psychology will change a little bit more and folks will be ready to walk into a polling booth and pull the name, uh, the lever next to the name of a dark-skinned African-American to be president of the United States. Um, I totally agree um, with you on that. Um, You know, um, it's just that, with this prejudice thing, Levi, I think that a lot of people think that we have totally arrived. But when I saw the clip that Tony posted on my Facebook page and posted on the website, um, I showed it to my three-year-old niece, and I don't know if you saw the clip. Did you see the clip with the little girl and the dolls? Did you watch that clip? 
And I, I um I showed it to my three year old niece, Nicole. And I said to her, I said, Nicole, which dog is the prettiest? And Nicole, uh, believe it or not, she pointed to the doll, and she's my color. She's caramel. And she said, um, she pointed to the doll that is her color, which totally shocked me. And um, I also did it with my daughter, Trinity, who I taught, you know, that, you're, you know, you're beautiful regardless of what color you are, and I teach that to her regardless of what color you are, you know, what ethnic group you are. And she said to me, you know, the same thing. She said they're all beautiful. She didn't point to any doll, but she said they're all beautiful. So to me it goes back to the the way that you're being trained, the way that your mindset is being trained, which goes back to the original thing you talked about with the mindset of the house uh, Negro and the field Negro, and I wanted to say something and didn't get a chance because we were having audio problems where people say, you know, I couldn't have lived, you know, in the slavery days or I couldn't have lived doing civil rights. It goes back to, you know, what Tony and I talked about. You know, you had one master and you had, you know, slaves, you know, 200 or 300 or however many slaves, and and we 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 often talk about it, you know, my 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 brothers and I, what we would have done, or, or why didn't they try to, you know, break away if there were only two or three masters? And what you said, Levi, it makes so much sense. Your mind, your mindset. They knew that, you know, it was it was just the way that their minds were set. So right. what you do know, you, you I, know? Go yeah, ahead. I was gonna say, you know, it it, it reminds me. This isn't as serious as the president of the United States, but I remember my wife is a, a dark-skinned sister, and I remember when we first got married, we'll be married 19 years in August, but I remember when we first got married, I worked on Saturdays, and we got up and we had breakfast one Saturday morning, and I asked my wife, I said, well, what are you going to do today while I'm at work? And this was back when MTV first hit the uh, airwaves, and people were sitting around watching MTV all day. So she said she was going to watch MTV. And I and at that time in my development as a man, I was going through my kind of nationalist movement. I was reading Malcolm X and Dr. Carter G. Wilson and a whole lot of things that gave me a race consciousness when I watched television. So I said to my wife, I said, you're going to sit here and watch these race-based videos all day. And she said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, if you look at most of the videos that you saw on MTV 18, 19 years ago, I said every video, even if it was an African-American artist, and even if it was a dark-skinned African-American artist, they might have dark-skinned people in the background, background singers and so on and so forth, but the love interest in every video was always either a very light-skinned African-American or a white person. And my wife was like, no, nah, you're tripping, you're tripping. So I went to work and came back home eight hours later, and she was hot <laughs> because she had sat there and watched videos all day, and for the first time she saw the subliminal messages that she hadn't saw before, before I made that statement. Now, today, here we are 18, 19 years later, and 
our ideal of beauty in, in our culture is changing. Women are getting collagen injections in their lips. There's commercials on television where women are buying booty pads so their rear ends look bigger. And so as time is going on, that European uh, vision of what is beauty is starting to change, but all of those things take time. That is so true. Let's welcome Desmond to the show. Desmond, how you doing tonight? How you doing there, Tony? Can you hear me on this earplug? Oh, man, loud and clear, loud and clear. What's on your mind tonight? All right, uh, <laughs> just listening in, one thing is real important and that we should never forget. This was a, a show that came particularly on Phil O'Donohue's show when he was just about going up there and Oprah was coming on. He had one black scholar on there. And one thing he said was that within the black race, there are 100 shades of color, not the five or six or seven or ten that we think about, the lightest light to the darkest dark. There are 100 shades of color within the black race. So what they did a study on around the world, whether you were Oriental, whether you were Mexican, whether you were black or whether you were white, everybody preferred the color brown. Not dark brown. I mean, not dark is dark. The light is light. Everybody, particularly, overwhelmingly picked the color brown. So that's just to throw that out there. Uh, that was the statistics that was put out there about known black scholars at that time. But it was a show on the, the, the was on a Donahue show that he did, particularly about the shades of color within the black race. It shocked me because just me thinking out of my head, and I'm pretty knowledgeable of things, just like you all are, all of us would never have thought that there were 100 shades of color within the black race. But according to him, it is. So everybody preferred the color brown, and I just wanted to make that point clear to everyone. Well, thank you. That's interesting. You you said how many people uh, were present? How many what now? Say, how many again? participated in that? How many people uh, participated? Uh, well, that that show that he years ago, and I just remember it okay. so well. And when they did the statistics, they sent these statistics to every nationality around the world. Now, wow. And and everybody came up, they may have did a cross-gender study, a cross-sectional study, or age study on, you know, but they mostly came up with the color brown more than any other color in the world. So wow. it's you know, something to think about. And this man was supposed to be, yeah. like I said, a scholar known and everything. So I, I take his word for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I but I I appreciate that. That is wonderful. I, I never had thought about that. But, yeah, you know, we have a lot of different shades of color, and we get so hung up on the, on the outer spectrums that we forget that there's so much more on the inside. And we got Jay on the phone. Jay, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm just I'm, I'm enjoying what I've heard. I didn't get on right at the beginning. Uh, that time difference throws me every now and then. And, uh, but I was fortunate <laughs> enough to hear that. There's some comments there, you know, that was very interesting. And I did read just a little bit of your uh, posting there, Tony, about the different shades of color. And um, 
you know that goes without saying. I mean, you, you mix black with anything, it's gonna, it's gonna, it, whatever the other thing is, it's going to uh, definitely get just a little darker inside of that. But I think what has been interesting to me is part of what I've heard you talking about with the whole uh, concept of the house, the house slave, even the field slave, and all those things. And we know that comes from the whole Willie Lynch, uh, whole Willie Lynch uh, theory that uh, that uh, he ensured all of the. Uh, uh, slave owners that if they implemented this, that he could, that they could keep their slaves into captivity some three to four hundred years. Now that is evident today, even inside of us interracially, inside of dealing with one another. But today, I think we're not just dealing with the shades of color. We're dealing with uh, we're dealing with shades of color. We're dealing with social economic level. We're dealing with educational level, and and at any given point, we use those opportunities to really to discriminate against one another. Uh, we've learned to make jokes about it. You know, uh, I remember watching one of these shows here, I guess, a year or so ago, and uh, this was the time when Elder Barge was coming back. And I remember at the end of the show, they said, "Oh, like light skin brothers are back in," you know, and that was an interesting comment, you know. But but we know that we have evolved. In the sense of the fact where there was a time I was black and I was proud, you know, the black of the bear, the sweet of the juice, and we were proud of that. And But we've gone from one end to another. I think the part that we have to be so careful of, of a people, as a people, is that we have to remember that very thing that Dr. King said. But it's easier for us to apply when we think that we're talking about different races of people, harder for us to apply when it comes to uh, our race within a race and skin color. When he said that it will be a day that we won't be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. We have to understand that doesn't just apply outside of us. That applies within us. You understand? Uh, White is not right. You know, I, I resent when I hear people say, well, oh, they sound white. Or they talk white. Well, what is white? Are you are you equating white with proper? Are you equating wow. white with correct grammar? Are you equating? And if that's the case, that's an indictment on, on on us as a people. As if you're saying that if you're black, you're expected to have run-on sentences. You're expected to have uh, incorrect grammar. You're expected to be speaking ebonics. And so we we have to understand that that thing runs deeper than just the shade of our skin. That thing becomes in, uh, very uh, internal type of a determinant in our lives and the way we see each other, the way that we see uh, the world outside of us. And, you know, Jay, it's so interesting you said that. People love to say, and, you know, we've had so many presidents that speak, and they really should have been saying this about Bush, but they'll say, oh, man, Obama really speaks well. He speaks so well. It's like people are surprised that he speaks well. It's like, like you said, it's like, well, yeah. Oh, you know, Bush it wasn't an issue. Uh, Clinton it was an issue. It wasn't an issue for none of the presidents before him. But now they're interested in him speaking. Well, what I wanted to ask you before you go, I made reference earlier that in the '60s we had the the federal government to uh, help us out with the, with the civil rights laws, and the government intervened, and uh, we had protests and marches. We had our Martin Luther King. Um, we don't have that now. With with race with this thing, prejudice going within our race, we don't have a, a civil rights to fall back on because the government doesn't really seem to recognize an inner racism or an inner prejudice. Uh, excuse me, not racism. So, in your opinion, how do you think this cycle? Because it, it's 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 passing down from generation to generation. Jay, this preferential treatment, and it seems to be deeply ingrained in our culture. Do you ever foresee it being, quote, healed 
unquote? Well, it's going to be healed, but it's not going to look the way that we think uh, it's going it's going to look. Because as we look at this whole thing about color and, and you know, we're getting away from this prejudice and things of that nature, that is ingrained in America. It is. I, I was just at a forum. I was speaking at the other week, and one of the young ladies just as boldly afterwards said, listen, I hear all of you adults talking, but I don't see this stuff you guys see. I have white friends. I have Asian friends. And she was just excited. And she said, I don't understand why we're putting all this emphasis on black. And you could tell everyone that was born before 1970 that was chuckling and laughing because they understood her enthusiasm was from an experience that she's having today being born in the 90s versus those of us that were born before then, understand, listen, baby, when it's all said and done, you still are darky. And there are still certain <laughs> things that you are denied because you are darky. They can come play in your playground and play in your yard and go back to theirs, but you won't have the same reception after you've gone and played in their playground because you still will come back as a darky. They, they're not changing out of that. So the only way that's going to change is, once again, there must be a sense of appreciation of who we are within, who we are within. And that has to be taught from home. You know, I love it. I go back to the day, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. You've got to know that you're black and you're proud, you know, and, and, and you have to do that. I mean, I, I live in an area that is very Manila here in, in sunny South Florida, and I have had my, I've had to choose my battles because I know that I appeal to all audiences. I appeal to them, but I never let it go unnoticed or remiss the fact that I still know that I'm black and I still know that you know that I'm black and I still know that you will give me as much power as you desire for me to have. And so therefore, as long as I have the platform, I'm going to use it to promote racial harmony, to uh, promote equality, to promote a level playing ground. And because that's what, I mean, that's what those that died before us died for. That's what Levi was saying earlier. We're all standing on the shoulder of somebody that went before us. And so we have to kind of bring it to the point where we are proud of our blackness, where we are proud of our blackness, and we don't try to have to acquiesce to someone else. Be proud of our blackness. Understand that our blackness come from a royal heritage. It didn't start with Kuta Kente. That was one of the worst things that happened out of roots. We didn't go back far enough. You know what I'm saying? We only right, we only right. counted the slave ship. We didn't go back before those times when, in the days of us being kings and queens and inventor of arithmetic and those type things. And wow. hang around just a minute, uh, uh, G. I wanted I wanted to play something uh, uh, from. This is actually a clip from uh, the movie Dark Girls review so little clip from it. Want to I play think it. the problem within the black community has to do more with our lack of unity. We don't really see each other as being part of the community partly because we don't have a language. We don't have something tangible aside from our skin color to say I am part of you, you are part of me. In a black community it's like no I'm not black I'm Caribbean or I'm not black I'm Haitian. Black. Now that goes along with what Jay is saying, and and nothing, you know. Tiger Woods is a good golfer, and I'm not into his personal sex life. That's not my business. But the thing that bothered me about Tiger was when they called him black. He would say, "No, no, I'm part of this. I'm one eighth that. I'm three fourth the other. I'm everything, but I'm not black." And Complacent. according to, <laughs> yeah, I'm complete, yeah. And according to uh, 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 most of the uh, people that are, are not black, 
if you've got one ounce, it's like it's like if I urinate, I tell my I tell my uh, children to make uh, gross points to them. I said if I if I give you a glass of water and, and I put just a tiny drop of urine in it, would you drink it? Said, oh no, Dad, no, no. Well, that's the way some people feel about you as a person. So this thing about the light person and the dark person, like like Jay was saying, it really it doesn't matter who you are. You are still. I'm gonna say this in this graphic. A friend asked me, they said, who is Michael Jordan? I said, he's a famous basketball star. And uh, he said, no, he's not. I said, well, what is it? They said, he's a nigger. I said, a nigger? They said, yeah. They said, well, who is Michael Jordan if he robs a bank? I said, "Um, he's a bank robber. They said, no, he's a nigger. And what they were trying to tell me was, not trying to be graphic and, 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 and demeaning, they were trying to tell me that that's how he's looked, regardless of his skin complexion, regardless of what he, he drives, regardless of anything, that's how he's seen. So I think I think in the long run, I think we get so wrapped up in this light-dark thing that we forget we're, we're seen as one thing. Would you agree, Cam? Yes. What about you, Levi? Well, you know that's that's interesting. You know, I have, I mentioned to you guys the the, the other day that uh, one of the shocking experiences I had was when I was in the Navy and I went to Brazil, and mm-hmm. it was me and a group of group of guys that I was hanging out with, and we ran across these two sisters, and one of them was a light skinned sister, and one of them was a dark skinned sister, and we were talking, and I I forget obviously what the conversation was. This twenty five years ago. But I called the light-skinned sister black, and she said, oh, no. She said, I'm not black. I'm mulatto. And her friend was a dark-skinned sister, and she said, and I will never forget her sister's name. The sister's name, the sister's name was Sonora Nita. And she said, Sonora Nita, she is black. She says, I'm mulatto. And she pointed at me, and she said, you are mulatto. And so I don't know whether it's good or bad, but that's when I became aware that in Brazil they almost look at light-skinned blacks and dark-skinned blacks as almost being two different races. And I don't know what that means. Again, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. But it's just different from the consciousness, the one-drop consciousness that we have in the United States. Wow, Jay, do you have anything to add to that? Your mic is still open. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that's interesting as I listen to both of the comments there, you know, we, you know, one reason why people take defense about being considered black is because when you look at the history of what has happened to us as African Americans here in the United States, it's not a good history. Now, I live in South Florida. Now, you know, I'm born and raised right there in Selma. In the days we was growing up, there was no Haitians, Jamaicans, or, uh, uh, you know, Trinidadians around. We didn't know nothing about that. So when I came to South Florida, it was culture shock for me. When I was walking with my cousins and I heard black people talking with these accents, I'm like, saying, hey, what are they playing for? He said, playing? <laughs> I said, no. I said, they ain't playing. I said, well, why are they talking like that? He said, well, they're Jamaicans. what? Uh, especially with the Haitian because they're, I'm like, what? And it took me. I have become I have become very educated in my last 29 years here because of the fact of people from everywhere. Now I have a lot of close friends that are Haitians, Jamaican, Trinidadian, Grenadian, you name it. But it's interesting that they act and they want to be differentiated from 
black Americans. Because you know, three things. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You know what, Jay? When I came to remember when I came to West Palm, and I shared this with them on the conference call. When I came to West Palm last year, and I got stuck there because of my flight delay, I wanted to go to Bible study, and I was at the the pastor's mother's house, and there was a uh-huh. full gospel church across the street, but it was a Haitian church. And they told me, I said, let's go to Bible study. And they said, you can't go there. And I said, why? They said, because it's a Haitian church and they don't like us. It totally freaked me out because I'm a black woman, but not Haitian, and they would not accept me as a black woman. Well, that, that's that's partially true because here's the thing. The reality is, and having lived here, is that the black Americans treated the Haitian Americans very much like the white people treated the black back in our day. I saw black Americans mistreat Haitians, uh, call them names. Matter of fact, the word hate 